Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to be talking about five players who have drastically overachieved to start off the season. So I'm going to be going through whether or not their production is sustainable, you know, through the next 12 weeks of the season, or if I would be trying to sell high on them and get them off my team because I think they're going to fall back to earth. If you guys are watching this and enjoying the content, please just do me a huge favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. You can also ask me any fantasy football questions. I will reply to every single person, but let's get into the first player. And I'm going to start it off with a running back. It is going to be Cordero Patterson. Right now, he is the RB3. He is averaging 20.4 points per game, and he was essentially undrafted in the majority of leagues. You know, if you were playing in a 10, 12 team league, there's almost a guarantee that he was on the waiver wire going into week one. And his production has really come out of nowhere. He's always been kind of a return specialist who gets some work as a wide receiver, some work as a running back. Teams have kind of tried to use him like this in the past, and he really just hasn't done much. This season, he has just wildly outperformed his amount of opportunities. So if I was someone who owned Patterson, I would 100% be trying to sell high on him. I still think he's going to be like a low end RB2 for the rest of the season. You know, he's definitely not some kind of bench bum. He's definitely still going to have value. I just don't think it's going to be anywhere close to where it is right now. So through five games, Patterson has a 40.6% snap share. And so that is almost unheard of when you're looking at his overall production. These running backs were in the top 10, 100% have snap shares of 60 plus percent. Even 60 would be a low number. Patterson is sitting here at 40.6%. He's only averaging 8.2 carries per game. He has 41 total carries this season. That is 40th in the NFL. And you have his counterpart in that backfield, Mike Davis, sitting at a 63.8% snap share. And he is averaging over four carries more than Patterson. He's averaging 12.4 carries per game. And I do not think Mike Davis is going anywhere. You know, I could understand the argument. Cordero Patterson has wildly outperformed Mike Davis, you know, on a per touch basis. Cordero Patterson has looked better. He's looked more explosive. But here's the thing with Mike Davis. He is a great pass protector. I really didn't know about that coming into the season. But if you guys watched that Falcons Jets game in London uh, Sunday morning, Mike Davis was out there a ton, and it is because he is a fantastic pass protector. So I just don't think he's going to lose that role. I don't think Patterson can compete with him in that aspect, and that is going to give Mike Davis more opportunities. Cordero Patterson is definitely killing it in the receiving department, and that's where he is getting a lot of his production. He has 30 targets so far this season. That is third at the running back position, and he's not just getting these receptions as dump-offs. You know, a lot of these running backs kind of have these low quality targets compared to wide receivers, not Cordero Patterson. He is averaging 11.8 yards per reception. That is number three in the NFL. And he is leading all running backs in receiving yards with 295. So the receiving work is totally there. And that is really what has carried him so far. The thing that I'm a little sketched out about, he has one rushing touchdown, totally fine, but he has four receiving touchdowns Three of those came in one game. And so far this season, Mike Davis has had more red zone touches and more goal line carries than Cordero Patterson. And so I'm just afraid that these touchdowns are not going to be sustainable throughout the entire season. Right now, you have Kelvin Ridley, who has 42 targets on the season, Kyle Pitts with 36 targets, 
Each of them only has one receiving touchdown. I think these are going to even out throughout the season. Ridley and Pitts are both probably going to pass him in terms of receiving touchdowns. Definitely Ridley. And so I would just be moving Cordero Patterson right now. I'd be looking at players like Daryl Henderson, James Robinson, Joe Mixon. I mean, if you can trade Patterson straight up for any of those three, I think you have to be doing it 100%. But even if you're doing Patterson plus, you know, a solid bench piece, I would be making that move because I do not think Cordero Patterson's value is going to get any higher throughout the rest of the season. The next player I'm going to talk about here is Mike Williams. And so far this season, he is the wide receiver two, averaging 23.2 PPR points per game. And he was drafted as an eighth round pick. So if you drafted Mike Williams, probably as like your wide receiver three, wide receiver four, you're looking great to start off this season. And I personally thought that eighth round pick was too high. I was not a big fan of Mike Williams coming into the season, and I've been so off on him. I am totally on board the Mike Williams hype train now. He's just a totally different wide receiver playing a totally different role in this offense. That's why coming into the season, I was looking back, you know, last three years of production, he had never finished above like wide receiver 40. So I'm like, why is this guy all of a sudden going to take this huge leap? The thing is, just a totally different role for him. He is no longer that deep threat. That's what he had been used as for the past few years. If you look at 2020, his average depth of target was 14.8 yards. That was ninth in the NFL. And he was only being targeted 5.7 times per game. That was 46th. This year, he's just been a beast all around. His average depth of target is 11.1. That's less than 14.8, obviously, and that's 45th in the NFL, but that is a great sign because that has led to a ton of more volume. He went from 5.7 targets in 2020 now to 10.2 targets per game here in 2021, and that is number four in the NFL. But the thing is, he is still receiving those deep targets. He has 10 deep targets through five games. That is number three in the NFL. And he's also leading all wide receivers in touchdowns with six. I do think there could be some potential regression in the touchdown department. Like, do I think he's going to finish the season with 18 touchdowns? Probably not. Keenan Allen is going to be getting some of those because so far Keenan Allen only has one touchdown despite leading the NFL in red zone targets. But I still value Mike Williams as a top 10 wide receiver moving forward. I do not think this is a fluke. He's literally had one down game this entire season, and it was a game where Justin Herbert missed him on a wide open deep pass. So that also could have been a monster game. And I just don't think I would be moving Mike Williams. I just don't think you're going to be able to get the return that he's worth. I think people are always kind of skeptical to pay up for players who have like wildly outperformed expectations, especially at the wide receiver position. So unless you're going to get someone to pay like the wide receiver two, wide receiver three price, I think you just hold on to him. You got a ton of value with a later pick and you just got to kind of mark that up as a win. After Mike Williams, I'm going to talk about Debo Samuel. Right now he is the wide receiver five, averaging 22 points per game. And he was picked just a round earlier than Mike Williams as a seventh round pick. Coming into fantasy drafts this offseason, I was pretty indifferent about Debo Samuel. You know, I wasn't actively targeting him, but I also wasn't actively fading him. But it really seems like he was the forgotten guy in this 49ers offense. Last season with the 49ers was just very weird for these pass catchers because all of them were injured throughout the season. Ayuk, Debo, and George Kittle. So you never really got to see all of them on the field at the same time. 
but when they all played, they all looked great, but it was because you didn't have all three playing at the same time. So a lot of people thought Ayuk was going to be that guy. We knew Kittle was going to be involved, or at least we thought Kittle was going to be very involved. And so Debo Samuel was kind of pushed to the side a little bit, but he has just been a dominant force in this offense, the clear number one target. He's been targeted 51 times this season, 10.2 targets per game. It's number four in the NFL, and he has a 35.9% target share. That is absurd. That is number two in the NFL, and he is just a great player after the catch. He is number one in the NFL in yards after the catch, and his A dot is at eight yards, which may seem low. That's not a huge number, 100%, but it's a huge improvement from what it was in previous years. A lot of the reason why people thought Brandon Ayuk was going to overtake Debo Samuel was because Brandon Ayuk seemed to be the more versatile wide receiver. He could do all the stuff, the screen work, the jet sweeps, all of that stuff, but he could also win downfield. That's really just not something we saw with Debo Samuel because in 2020, his A dot was 2.6 yards. Average depth of target, 2.6 yards. That is a number that a running back would have. So apparently Debo Samuel had that skill. They just were not using him in that way. And so moving forward, if Lance takes over as the quarterback, it's probably not ideal for Debo just because they're not going to be throwing the ball as much if Lance is going to be carrying it 10 plus times a game like we saw in week five. But I still think Debo Samuel should be considered a top 15 wide receiver moving forward. And now we have two more guys to talk about, and they're both going to be from the tight end position. The first one is going to be Dawson Knox. Right now, he is the tight end four, averaging 14.8 points per game, and he was basically undrafted in almost every single league. If you were in a 10 to 12 man league, he was almost guaranteed to be on waivers heading into week one. But I'm personally selling high on Dawson Knox if I have him. The volume he's received so far just has not matched his production. And I'm someone who would rather chase volume instead of touchdowns. And so that philosophy just does not mix well with Dawson Knox. He's been targeted 24 times. That's 14th at the tight end position. So not great. 4.8 targets per game. He has a 13.7% target share. That's 16th in the NFL. So his volume so far is at the level of like a borderline tight end one. However, right now he is a high end tight end one in terms of points per game. He is a red zone threat. That's definitely kind of the appeal with Dawson Knox. There is no doubt about that. He has seven red zone targets. That's number three in the NFL. And he has five touchdowns, which is leading all tight ends. That's obviously where the majority of his points are coming from. But I just do not think that is sustainable throughout the entire season. If I had to guess a number for his touchdowns at the end of the season, he's probably going to be somewhere around 10 scores, which is amazing for a tight end. That's a great season. But if you're looking at it, that's five touchdowns in the next 12 games. That is not going to carry him for fantasy. And that is going to lead to a pretty solid fall off in production. And so if I'm trying to sell Dawson Knox, I'm basically labeling him as a high end tight end one, because that is what he's done so far. I've seen in my comment sections, a lot of people really like Dawson Knox. So there are 100% going to be people who want to buy him. And so if I'm trading Dawson Knox, I'd be taking some swings at some more established tight ends, guys that we feel confident in, you know, maybe they've underachieved to start off this season, but we're confident they can get back to it. So maybe Dawson Knox plus another solid startable wide receiver for a guy like Darren Waller, who's underperformed, maybe Knox straight up for Kyle Pitts or straight up for TJ Hawkinson. 
These are moves that I personally would be making because I do think he is in for a big fall off in the next few weeks. The fifth and final player I'm going to be talking about, I mentioned it was another tight end and it is Dalton Schultz. So far, he is the tight end five, just one spot behind Dawson Knox, averaging 14.4 points per game. He was another guy who was undrafted in the majority of leagues, but I just think he has much more sustainable production than Dawson Knox. Jarwin is no longer a concern. Dalton Schultz has clearly passed him as the tight end one on the Cowboys. And so far, he's just been very balanced in his production. He's been targeted 31 times. That's number seven in the NFL at the tight end position. That's 6.2 targets per game. He has a 19% target share, which is fifth at the tight end position. He's number four in receptions, number four in touchdowns, and number five in receiving yards. So that's just a very well-rounded production profile. And he's doing this while the Cowboys are only throwing the ball 33.2 times per game. That's 25th in the NFL. So they're definitely in the lower half of pass attempts. And I think that's something that could honestly go up a little bit. They've been very, very run heavy, but I still think that number has just got to go up to, you know, maybe 35 plus. I would still move him if I could sell him as the number five tight end. So if I'm getting number five tight end value, then I would be moving him. But I still think it's very possible he can finish somewhere from like tight end six to tight end eight in terms of points per game because you're going to have your guys, Kelsey, Waller. I still think Kittle's going to get there in terms of points per game. You've got Mark Andrews, Rob Gronkowski. Then it's kind of up in the air. It's Hawkinson in there. You've got guys like Tyler Higby. You have Dawson Knox, who I talked about. You have Kyle Pitts, who's looked like he's on the come up. So he's going to be in that range. If you can sell him for that high price tag, I would do it. But if not, I think he's going to be a solid startable tight end moving forward. But that is going to wrap it up for five players who have overachieved to start off the season. If you guys enjoy this content, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. Tomorrow, I'm going to be going through some injuries for week six. So go check that video out. But thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you next time.